0: every team every topic everywhere this is believe unless you've been living under a rock then you know what month it is. It's draft month. The NFL Draft is in just three weeks, and we are so excited to talk about our favorite prospect pairings and what that could mean for fantasy football. We got 10 players, 10 teams, endless fun, all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the lively Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. We each have five prospects and team pairings we would love to see in fantasy football. Before we get into all of them, my man Cole, how you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. You know, this is like the best time of the season because I feel like a lot of times at this point in the process, at least in the draft process, a lot of us start to experience draft burnout where – We've scouted all the prospects. We know what they do well. We've been through the combine. We're seeing, you know, all these pre-draft meetings go on. We're just like, oh, get them in the NFL already. We want to see them, you know, in preseason, on an NFL field, in an NFL offense, just see what they can do. So I'm glad that we're doing this episode because, you know, we just see a lot of amazing prospects go through the works. And it it really just comes down to the team fit. Like a lot of the time, just the players – Are the teams that can use the players the best and you know that that's what we're doing in this episode like the players that the teams that we've selected um, for their player pairings we believe are the best and think they will succeed there so I'm excited to, to get into this episode.
0: Yeah, well, why don't we get into it on our 31st episode of BFP? You got a receiver pairing. I got a receiver pairing. So as always, my friend, why don't you kick things off with your first fantasy football team fit that you would love to see in the draft?
1: Yeah, for me, it's Drake London and the commanders. Like Drake London, he's a possession receiver who, like no pun intended, can really take command of the offense he runs a healthy route tree moves the chains he's a former basketball player and he has the frame to back that up two hundred ten 210 pounds but you can see that in the way he sets up his releases and his cuts he really just torques his lower body sinks his hips to mimic crossovers and his breaks he's got this unguardable comeback route where he can just zone off the defensive back to the sideline uh, and the big the biggest thing about london is for a six five guy He has really good yards after catch skills. He anticipates the field. He formulates a a plan of attack before the ball arrives. He's elusive after the catch. Um, He's got a a bunch of tricks that he can use in the open field, like spin moves, you know, stiff arms, um, just that deceptive lateral quickness to break tackles. And this is the type of receiver Wentz was accustomed to in Philly. The Michael Pittman that enjoyed a a 1,000-yard season last year with Wentz in Indy, um, except London offers so much more in terms of you know, like we mentioned the yards after catch and just that versatility. And I think it'll also put defenses on notice and hopefully lead to more one-on-one opportunities for McLaurin. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think the commanders will be a great fit for Drake London at the next level.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, this isn't necessarily projection based because do you think that London would be the pick at 11 for Washington? Want put a little of your, your, uh, sorcerer Supreme hat on there and try to take a peering into the future.
1: I don't know. He's definitely like, I think Wilson and, um, or Garrett Wilson and, and Jamison Williams will be the cream of the crop. But I, I think Drake London, his injury will drop him down a little bit, but mm. the commanders are in that like mid like approaching middle round territory. I think they're just outside the top 10 and I, I think he'd be an unbelievable pick for them. I think he's definitely in the running. Um, obviously you can never have too many playmakers on offense and I think the, the commanders are a well-rounded enough team that they can say, okay, you know, if we're really going to sell our soul to Wentz, let's ma- at least make sure he has some dynamic playmakers to throw to.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And while I don't think they'll necessarily take a receiver, I do think they would be well off adding one. London seems like a pretty good fit to them. Uh, of course you did mention that his injury will bump him down a little bit as will the same scenario happened for this next player. Probably one of my favorite players in the whole draft. Jameson Williams. Got to yes, put sir. him on the Chiefs. You got to do it. And I know, I know there's the Tyreek Hill comparisons because he's a small, speedy receiver. That's not all Williams can do. But man, Nicole Hardman hasn't been working out in Kansas City. You put Williams in there, kind of give him that Tyreek Hill role. Oh my goodness, Jamison Williams fantasy stock through the roof. I would have him as rookie wide receiver number one. Hell, I'd probably have him have him as a wide receiver three, maybe Mm -hmm. in fantasy drafts. Like it's that good. And I know really whoever the Chiefs take out receiver, assuming they take one or two, will definitely get that bump because it's a great offense. He's got a great quarterback and the best fantasy receivers. Flourish in those situations. Look at Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams for many years, even DeAndre Hopkins before that, Michael Thomas, uh, before he started, you know, to not really see the field too much. But the point is Williams has that type of upside to smash, absolutely smash his ADP, not just as it currently stands, but when he finds out what team he'll be playing for to start his rookie season, so I love Jamison Williams to Kansas City. I would be all over that pairing. Any quick thoughts on that before we move on?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of of Jamison Williams, and you know, I, I write for the Chargers Wire of USA Today, and uh, like I, I haven't seen a prospect like manage his speed in the way Jamison Williams does, and it's it's just crazy how. His understanding of tempo and leverage and just the way he can go from 90 down to like 10 all the way back up to 100 and show the defensive back like a, a burst that the defensive back didn't know he had is just crazy. So I, I identified him as like an early fit for the Chargers, um, but him on the Chiefs would be incredible like you you just basically supplant Tyreek Hill's speed and, and just vertical talent with, with Jameson Williams who offers, you know, like the same qualities in that department. Mm-hmm. I think it would, it would be a match made in
0: heaven. Mm-hmm. What's another receiver pairing that you would love to see maybe for a team that also just traded their star wide receiver. How's that for a segue?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And Traylon Burks, he's been one of my favorites as well in this process. And, you know, it, it had to take Devonte Adams going to the Raiders to, for us to really analyze like, how is this Packers offseason going to go and what is there going to be their approach to the draft? Because as we know, the Packers' approach to the draft has been pretty unnatural over the past few years. And I think we might see him addressed more, uh, address more positions of need this year. So Traylon Burks, like, I think he has the potential to be whatever he needs to be for the team that drafts him. That's why I think there's a lot of promise with the Packers who have pretty much an open depth chart no grounded number one receiver. Obviously, Alan Lazard returns, but he spent most of his time and he's 6'3", 225 pounds. He spent most of his time as a wideout in the slot at Arkansas, not just because he was a mismatch there and the Razorbacks could, you know, really do a lot of finesse with him using motion, but because that's where he was most comfortable. He has the makings of a prototypical X receiver, but he doesn't need to be that guy. So he offers Green Bay flexibility and there's no better way to develop wide receivers still looking to reach the heights of their potential than Aaron Rodgers being the one to pioneer those efforts. So he has some of the best mitts in the drafts, he high points the ball super well, he bullies defenders in the air, he's got vertical speed and he's a pretty tough ass to reroute from a press standpoint. Uh, and most of all, he was a headache for Arkansas's opponents to guard him because you never knew you never knew where he was going to you never knew what he was going to do on any given play. So I love how his game translates to today's modern passing attack. And I think Green Bay will really take advantage of that.
0: So what's the issue with him? Because I see people knocking Burks all the time on Twitter. Is there a reason to think that if he would be a Green Bay Packer, that he just wouldn't find success?
1: Yeah. I mean, if the, if the Packers try and, you know, transform him into something he's not, or try and throw him out too early, there's also concerns like, you know, he ran a, a four point five five forty 40-yard dash time, which I think is a good time for a wideout of that size, but obviously with uh, with precedent comes, you know, all the DK Metcalf comparisons and like mm. the freak athlete label, and it, it might be true that, you know, Traylon Burks isn't this elite athlete that we thought he was at Arkansas. That doesn't mean he's still not a great athlete, right? And so just that combination of side and speed, you know, the vertical talent, the Ability to be flexible in the slot and just have that size mismatch, I think overrides any of those concerns about you know whether or not he is in this tier, you know, elite S tier or A tier type you know athlete. So mm. I think that's why a lot of people have kind of soured on him as like the combine results and athletic testing have come out. But I don't think it's any reason for concern if you get him in the right system and and the right quarterback that's going to give him, you know, the ball in space and just allow him to do what he does best. I think Burks is going to be all right in the
0: NFL. Now we'll transition a little bit from receivers. Cause I felt like I had to get a quarterback in here and specifically Kenny Pickett. I couldn't really think of a great fantasy football fit for Pickett, at least in the short term. I've been doing this Dynasty series uh, for the past, I think, like month and a half now over at the Draft Network, where I'll take some players and I'll name their best long-term fits because that's what dynasty is but for the purpose of this episode we really wanted to look more short-term uh which players can immediately slot into teams and they will make an impact someone who could smash their adp in their first season and i thought Mm -hmm. well when it comes to kenny pickett what are the two offenses that would trust him in most At first, I had the Saints, and up until about 20 minutes ago, I had Kenny Pickett to the Saints because I feel like that offense, it doesn't really have many problems. Sure, they have a gaping hole at left tackle now, but overall, I trust that system. I don't trust any quarterback in Carolina or Washington or even Seattle, maybe not even Atlanta right now, and especially not a quarterback like Kenny Pickett, whose ceiling is relatively limited. He's not going to wow you Mm -hmm. with his athleticism, not to say he doesn't have that type of athleticism. He can certainly make defenders miss with his legs, but that's not his go-to trait. Meanwhile, the two key traits for a successful fantasy quarterback, is Konami Code? Komani Code? Why do I always get it confused? Konami Code, right? (laughs) Yeah. See? It's a little embarrassing on my part, but I think the point is I'm trying to say if you need to be a great fantasy quarterback, you either have to have the legs or the volume. I don't really know if we'll get that opportunity in New Orleans, so I scratched them out last minute and replaced it with Pittsburgh. Oh, would you look at that? Kenny Pickett stays home in Pittsburgh to play for the Steelers. whoop de doo I'm sure this pairing hasn't been projected like only a thousand times. But the reason I kind of like it from a fantasy standpoint is you look at New Orleans, they re-signed Winston who didn't play poorly before he got hurt. Um, they re they signed Andy Dalton. They still have Ian book there. Like, I don't think he's that good, but like, I don't think they're going to move on from him after one season or at least like get rid of him, you know? So that makes me think the saints may not either want a quarterback that early or they may not force pick it in right away. I think pick it in Pittsburgh would have a greater chance at starting right away. And that's not necessarily a knock on Trubisky. I think we can just both agree. Pickett probably has a higher ceiling than Trubisky, even though Trubisky was stuck in hell in Chicago. And technically Buffalo for the past season or two, because, you know, he didn't really get to see there's Some guy, Josh Allen there. But what I like best about Pickett's fantasy value in Pittsburgh, that offensive line's not good but it is getting better. It wasn't the worst in football last season. Uh, Najee Harris is there to shoulder some of the burden from opposing defenses, catch passes. Deontay Johnson uh, suddenly is a very reliable pass catcher. Pat Fryermuth Muth seems to be a good option. And we can kind of bank on it that Pittsburgh is going to draft a third round receiver again, after losing James Washington and Juju Smith Schuster in free agency. So, I would actually be totally fine with taking a flyer on Pickett in best ball, maybe later on in the season in a redraft. But either way, if Pickett landed in Pittsburgh, I think that would be his best fantasy impact spot, at least in year one. Any other spot, I'd probably shy away from him in every format.
1: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh's a good destination, and especially being down at the Senior Bowl, you could really see like the, the Steelers were – taking their time, evaluating every single quarterback that was down there. And they definitely had their, their eye on Pickett. And I'm sure they're close, like, you know, pretty close proximity to, uh, to the Pitt uh, athletic facility. And, you know, I'm sure they've had numerous conversations with Pickett throughout this process. Uh, and I think it's very likely that we see a quarterback be taken by, by Pittsburgh in, in the first round on draft night. So I, I think Pickett is definitely in the running for, for Pittsburgh, and I agree with you. I don't think I would, tr- I would trust him in any other situation from a st- fantasy standpoint. Mm-hmm.
0: Luckily, there is another quarterback that you want to talk about, and ironically, it is a quarterback that's been heavily linked to Pittsburgh, but you haven't met another team, Liberty's quarterback Malik Willis. What is the prime fantasy destination for a player who could very well be a top 10, maybe even top five pick?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to the Falcons, and he's probably the most controversial prospect in this whole 2022 NFL Draft process because, uh, you know, Willis, to quote Thor Nystrom, I don't know if you follow him. On I Twitter, love Thor, Thor Nystrom. Twitter, he fantastic content. Um, he has a bazooka for an arm. He has fantastic play extension qualities. He has the wheels to enhance the RPO. He's just the type of playmaker that wows you. He's mobile, dynamic can make some really outstanding throws. Um, I don't love them from a mechanic standpoint, because, like, the thing is, is, like, the ball gets there on time and in the, ra- the right place, but the lower body is just entirely messed up. So, that, like, that's definitely an area of development at the next level. And the Falcons, they haven't had to develop a quarterback in, in a while. Right. I mean, they they were sold on, on Matt Ryan for for so long, definitely like throughout my entire lifetime. So I'm willing to give them a shot, you know, and, and see what they can do. But when you look at who they brought in, quite possibly to be a bridge quarterback in Marcus Mariota, I think, you know, Willis can learn a lot from him. And, and likewise, Atlanta wouldn't have to change the offense too drastically with two similar quarterbacks at the helm of operation, right? So I think I definitely view Malik Willis as, as more of a dynasty option if we're discussing fantasy, because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think – I think it's pretty obvious Willis needs work, and throwing him to the Wolves in his first year isn't really going to do much from his confidence or enhance his development as you know a toolsy quarterback. So I think you're definitely buying into Willis in the dynasty department Um, for, you know, a a year, two years down the road. Mm
0: -hmm. Moving along on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by LinkMe. LinkMe, L-I-N-K-M-E, is one of the fastest growing social media apps on the planet. It is also a link-sharing app. You can have all of your content in one place, everything from your Twitter to your TikTok to your podcast to your PlayStation handle to your Venmo. Literally... All at the click of one button, you have a QR code that you can scan, have other people scan, and suddenly they have access to all your content. That's LinkMe, L-I-N-K-M-E. If you're not on the app, you better get on the wave quickly because thousands of people are joining every day. It is insane. So now that we got five prospects out of the way, we still got five more left to go. This one's a receiver for me, and I don't think he's getting talked about as much because he also was hurt and overshadowed, I guess you could say, by a player like Jameson Williams. That's John Mechie III. I really think that in the right offense, Mechie can be one of the best rookie receivers in fantasy this season. He is Hmm. electric. He's a deep ball threat. He's very fast. He's not the type of guy, look, you line him up as an X receiver you better have a good plan to scheme him open uh, because he wins in space. And a team that really utilizes a spread offense can capitalize on Mechie's skill set like the Patriots, like his former collegiate quarterback, Mac Jones. And that is an offense that lacks some dynamic playmaker on that Team, They don't have anyone like that. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker. Heck no. Jacoby Myers. Love the guy, but come on. Mechie would be a spark that an offense that drastically needs it. And looking at kind of what Bill Belichick has done in recent years, this could be a case where he reroutes that offense right through Mechie because again, they don't have a player like him. Mechie would be that guy who Mac Jones can immediately go to in the slot and potentially rack up so many yards after the catch. Now, Jones's deep ball isn't the best. It's not terrible. But then again, you kind of really don't need to be chucking the ball 40 yards deep when you can chuck it five yards uh, as a check down and have Mechie take off. So I think that Belichick could really find a way to have Mechie work well in that offense. And more importantly, for our sake, that would be golden for fantasy football. I have to give you props though, cause you are the one a few weeks ago who gave me this idea yes, that Messi would fit well in new England, right?
1: He's tough, physical, uh, really dependable, reliable receiver at Alabama. Uh, especially since he sat behind, you know, the likes of rugs, Judy, um, just like the entire waddle, right? Just all, all the insane Alabama wide receivers that have entered the league over the last few years. So you gotta give him props for that. Um, And like you said, the Patriots know how to scheme people open, and Mechie is really good at that.
0: Exactly. I would be all over that pick if if that happened in, like, the third round or even second round. I would be 100% in on Mechie if he were a New England Patriot, not just in Dynasty, but in this season as well. All right, we each got two players left, two receivers. And we'll finish with a pair of running backs. Who's your final receiver and how his fantasy football managers could be reaping the benefits if he landed on this team?
1: Yeah, this is entirely situation based. It's Chris Solave and the Cardinals. Mm. Because uh, let me preface this by saying Steve Kahn has done nothing for the Cardinals this offseason to add <laughs> any new playmakers and I say new because obviously James Conner and Zach Ertz they return on on new deals that solidified them for the future um, where hopefully Kyler Murray will be throwing them the football <laughs> all right great um the the offense loses two starting wide receivers and suddenly you have 5 7 Rondale Moore and Antoine Wesley opposite DeAndre Hopkins so that's big yikes so <laughs> I anticipate the Cardinals to use the draft as a method to bolster the receiving core. And why wait? Attack the first round, get a quality Z that is a route technician. Uh, He's great after the catch and separates at the top of his route. Like These are all qualities Christian Kirk struggled to get up to speed in early in his career. And Chris Olave can immediately come in and fill a void that Cliff Kingsbury seems to have been chasing for years. Um, He can run bubble screens. That's a check. Full route tree check. Fluid off motion and great in space. Check. Uh, physical at the catch point when he needs to be he leverages tempo and his quickness. Well, I like his path to uh, fantasy stardom, the best in an offense that is right now is completely dry of receiving talent outside of D hop. So it's more opportunity. Chris Olave. He, he, a lot of people have soured on him in the, in the draft process. And I'm not really sure why I think maybe it's more because of the infatuation with Burks um, you know, or uh, you know, all these other combine athletes that have, have really like punched their name um in, in into the into like the first round, but I think Alave he was consistent at Ohio State, and you know he he does a lot of great things well. So I think once again that path to fantasy stardom is it, on the Cardinals for in that wide receiver two um, spot is just a fantastic landing spot for mm-hmm. him.
0: I originally did have David Bell and the Cardinals as a fit on here, but I scrapped that for who I'm going to talk about next, because it's probably my favorite pairing, which is a little sad considering you will see who it is in one sec. But I do like a <coughs> and the Cardinals. I've been saying the same thing for a while. Like what the hell is going on in that receiving room? I love Rondell Moore. But he's not, he, he really shouldn't be a number two option. I will say, if the Cardinals don't add talent, I would be very intrigued by Antoine Wesley. He had a nice stretch down the end of last season, but we can't really expect him to shoulder that type of load consistently, especially with DeAndre Hopkins injured for most of last season. I'm with you. They should add another receiver. I don't know about first round. That seems to be where Olave could go right now, probably around the range of where the Cardinals are picking. They might be better off going a cornerback, but if Olave did go to the Cardinals, that's certainly an interesting spot. My final receiver I want to talk about before we talk about uh, two very special running backs to us. I know you hate this because it's just like a miserable situation on the surface, but Jahan Dotson in Detroit sounds like a sneaky match made in heaven because you have a Mon Ross St. Brown who dominated in the slot last season, especially toward the end of the season, TJ Hawkinson running up the middle, you know, being a bigger option for Jared Goff or whoever the hell is going to be their quarterback next season. I love Dotson. I don't know what it is about me falling in love with Penn state wide receivers, but Dotson just checks off all the boxes for me. And more importantly, Do we really expect Josh Reynolds and DJ shark to be consistent options for this team? I would love to see Detroit add more receivers. I think Dotson at the back end of the first or with their first pick two picks later in the second round would be a phenomenal pick because he's just that good. He is the type of receiver who you can target seven to nine times a game. And that is clearly golden for fantasy football Maybe it's just a gut feeling. That's kind of what I base a lot of these picks on. Like Dotson just seems like a Detroit Lion. So hopefully we can revisit this in a couple months, a few weeks from now maybe, and we'll say I really want to share Jahan Dotson. Uh, I will probably have a share of him or multiple shares of him on whatever team he's on, but a team like Detroit seems like it will give him a clear opportunity to not only start right away but be fantasy-relevant. What do you think about that? Did I sway your mind a little bit more?
1: Hey, don't speak bad on DJ Chark's name. That's all all I got to say
0: (laughs) about that.
1: Because I I gave him props last episode of a a fantasy situation I'm most intrigued by um, for this season, and especially someone you can get at value. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens in the draft, Zach, but (laughs) I'm still going to defend my boy Chark's name.
0: Fair enough. If he can stay healthy, I'm sure he can bounce back because he's clearly got the talent to do so. Uh, All right. We each got a running back and a pairing we love to talk about. I don't know if we intended to do this or not, but for any new listeners here, I attend the University of Florida. Cole attends Arizona State University. They both have running backs in the NFL draft this year. Very different skill sets, though. So Cole... You got a team pairing for your boy, Rashad White. Tell the people who it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, before I begin, this was totally intentional, right? <laughs> like, uh, this is the, these are the backs that we know best, and so we decided to talk about them. So, I mean, hey, I'm all for it. I had to bring up the local product, right? Mm-hmm. And and White is somebody I thankfully got to know pretty well during this process, and I, I did a comprehensive review of his ASU career and what made him uh, one of the best backs in the Pac-12 this year, and he's patient, elusive. I don't think there is a better receiving back in this year's class. He was reeling in one-handers against Washington. He runs a beautiful Texas route out of the backfield. ASU would line up in five wide with white on the boundary. And that's how much they thought of his receiving talents. Um, they trust him in empty. So he's intelligent too. He told me he purposefully studies like the tackling styles and behaviors of defenders before games. And he uses that information in real time and that it translates to the film. So the bills, they struck out on JD McKissick. Like we mentioned last episode with Sam Wagman. And so they settled for plan B, which was Duke Johnson on a one-year deal. But outside of that, the running backs are Devlin, Devin Singletary, who likely won't be returning after the season, and Zach Moss, who you know all he's done since he came in the league is fumble the football away. So there's an opportunity for Rashad White to come in and contribute as a receiver immediately there, especially in such a pass-happy offense like the Bills, who have Josh Allen and don't want to run the ball too much anyway. So White would no doubt contribute as a fifth option for Allen but he also might bring some respect to the Bills running back room and make defenses a little bit more wary when Buffalo chooses to go to the ground. Zach, you and I, we pounded the table for Leonard Fournette to go here, but the Bills, they couldn't pry him away from Tampa Bay. So they have, shown, they have shown a desire to add an elite receiving back, and they can get one in Rashad White. And fantasy managers, I think, would actually jump at that situation.
0: You make a really good point because we were kind of looking for, you know, the bigger body backs because that could be exactly what that type of offense needs. But then now that we think about it, they've never really had a good pass catching back. So we don't know what that element could add to the rest of the offense. White could be the missing piece they need. That's a great fantasy fit. Uh, in case you couldn't tell by now, I'm talking about Damian Pierce, who is a complete opposite back of Rashad White. Pierce is a good receiver. He just didn't really get many opportunities to show that. Hell, he didn't even really get many opportunities at all. He ran more than 10 times just twice last season. It was the two games after Dan Wollen was canned. So thank God that that <laughs> happens. Pierce is a bigger body back. He's physical. He's not the tallest, but he's built stocky. He runs aggressive. He runs physical. Um, phenomenal at pass blocking that is a huge plus because in order to see the field you got to be a good blocker i don't doubt that he can be a solid pass catcher for a team but again i don't think that's why a team will draft him specifically if the miami dolphins take him so another afc east pairing here i have been pounding the table for pierce to miami for so long now i was at his pro day um and in the neck in that pro day recap I said Damian Pierce maybe could be a target for the Dolphins um in my Damian Pierce Dynasty Fitz article I said the Dolphins I've tweeted out multiple times <laughs> the Dolphins uh even the agenda is clear <laughs> yeah I think you all get it even yesterday in my Miami Dolphins mock draft their second pick was Damian Pierce and it makes sense Raheem Mostert Chase Edmonds They're not the tallest guys in the world. Pierce, well, yeah, he is the same height as them. He has nearly 20 pounds on Mostert and Edmonds, and they're all very different backs. Look, could Mostert and Edmonds shoulder like a 10-plus carry load? Like maybe, but I don't think they do it too effectively really either. Miles Gaskins there, he's 5'9", 195, which is essentially in between Mostert and Edmonds. So putting in Pierce not only gives you a bigger back who can actually block But he could be a goal line back. Now, I'm not saying that is what Pierce should only be, because, again, he's pretty well-rounded. But they don't really have that type of player. They did add add Alec Ingold, uh, who could, again, take short yardage situations. He could take goal line situations. But Pierce could also do that, too. He could totally do that. So if Pierce goes to the Dolphins, I'd probably have a couple best ball shares on them, especially with that touchdown upside. You know, kind of like what Jordan Howard did last season, how he had like four rushing touchdowns in three weeks uh, in, in inside the four-yard line. I think my math is right on that, but I think you get the point <laughs> more so importantly. Pierce could be that guy. It immediately increases value. I don't expect him to be a bell cow running back, but he, again offers something completely different than what the Dolphins running back room does now. It's so interesting that the polar opposites of the Bills running back room and the Dolphins running back room, and then guys like White and Pierce, we just slotted into them, you know?
1: Yeah, no, and I think our our fits are also, they're great. I mean, like what you said about Pierce, like he doesn't have to be like this bell cow running back in order to be productive. Um, And if we're talking redraft, best ball um, for dynasty specifically, like even if he does show the coaching staff enough that he can shoulder a larger workload, like hell yeah. The the dolphins are going to pay him um, his rookie contract over all the backs that they brought in. Uh, on their roster so I mean there's definitely a path for him to receive a larger workload in the future even if he doesn't make an instant impact his rookie year and that makes him a really good dart in dynasty
0: I got a question for you before we log off who gets drafted first, White or Pierce? I was going to
1: ask you the same thing.
0: <laughs> Great minds something something, man. That's uh, that's hilarious uh, because I think the three first running backs we know taken are either going to be some combo of Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller. After that, yeah. maybe you get Brian Robinson, James Cook. But then it's like, where are White and Pierce going to go? They both seem like round four maybe round five maybe round three guys like mid i'm saying mid rounds for sure i have i have no idea maybe we'll do a friendly wager on this or something at some point you know yeah yeah i'd love to
1: i i don't know if both will go day two um i think day three is is probably a more confident selection i i I think both get drafted um but i don't think Mm -hmm. I think it's a, probably a tall ass to see both drafted, you know, within the first three rounds when you, yeah. when you agree.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. And it's again, just because they don't really have that complete profile as some of the other backs do. And that again could just be based on the, how they were used in college, but They do offer some damn good, intriguing traits to certain teams like the Bills and like the Dolphins, respectively. And, of course, that can be pretty good for fantasy football if they're used right. You know, now that I think about it, the last thing that Damian Pierce and Rashad White would want in terms of fantasy football relevancy is to go to the Dolphins for White and the Bills for Pierce because their running backs are just so similar on those rosters already. So this – this we, we need to hammer this home because white to the Bills, Pierce to the Dolphins, like, within five picks of each other seems so possible and almost so easy. Like, come on, let us turn in those cards. It's almost too easy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we both feel strongly about those fits, like, and especially having been in close proximity to these players, we know their strengths and their their attributes, having seen them on game day. Um, not to say, like, we know more than NFL scouts, but <laughs> we kind of seem we, we kind of know what they do well and what offenses they would, they would function in. And so I think we, we really selected you know areas where those strengths will be maximized.
0: This won't be the last time we're talking about NFL draft prospects and how they can help you win in fantasy football. We'll have some more episodes every once every week, maybe a couple bonus episodes who know, maybe we'll get a little spicy, but for now, this will be the final moments of the breakout football podcast episode 31. It's crazy. Last week, we didn't even celebrate that we hit 30 episodes with Sam Wagman. So I guess a little uh, post 30 cheers to us I don't have a bottle of champagne with me so I'm just going to take a sip of water uh, sure. <laughs> but it's been great talking with you man as always this has been again the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network sponsored by Link Me I am Zach Cohen of the Draft Network at Zach Cohen FB on all social media he is Cole Topham of Chargers Wire and Devils Digest at Ham Analysis on all social media Cole as always send us home
1: yeah everybody we got the draft in a few weeks we got a loaded off season that you know like speculation is only going to ramp up ADP is only going to get higher so to that everybody I say stay locked